Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of I Wish You Were Dead, a podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Gavin. That is Fia. Mike is back adventuring. And uh, Fia, how are you doing right now? Has has Louisiana been experiencing any of this heat wave? Yes. Uh, it is hot. <laughs> it's cooled down, but honestly, yeah, it just feels hot all the time. So I don't really notice when it's, <laughs> when it's more hot. It's just always hot, <laughs> except for like in the winter. Yeah, but oh, yeah, it was. I think this this past Saturday or Sunday, I don't remember, but it was like ninety five degrees here in Pennsylvania. Wow. I, it was whatever that same day that New York City was like a hundred and four. Yeah, too yeah, hot. It's crazy. It's too hot. <laughs> Real hot. It's yeah. Thanks, thanks, climate change. Appreciate thanks. you, my dude. Thanks. Um. But hopefully on a happier note, I haven't actually listened to it yet, but Mike sent us uh, another adventure update. So uh, we'll let Mike take it away. Hello, everybody. Mike here again with just another High Peak Summer update. Uh, By the time you're listening to this on hopefully Wednesday morning, I will just be getting back from completing um, the three mountains that I did today were in the San Andoni range. The problem is I don't exactly know how to pronounce San Andoni, and there is another mountain that I did that I definitely don't know how to pronounce. It's like Cuchigra or something to that effect. Uh, but just yesterday, I did those two as well as Panther Mountain, and the day before that, I did Giant and Rocky Peak Ridge. So we are now up to 21 mountains for the summer, so I'm almost halfway done, and I'm looking forward to just continuing to bang them out, but things are going well so far. My knees, eh, they are what they are, but... uh honestly, not too bad, all things considered. All the best, everybody, and I'll see you guys next week. All right, so thank you, Mike, for that kind message and or sorry for what happened to you. Um, <laughs> we don't know. Like I said, I, no, I have not I have not heard it yet. Um, so whatever happened, uh, I hope you're living your best life out there, uh, you know, hiking more mountains. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple housekeeping things before we get into the meat of the episode. Uh, once again, we're trying to plug out all of our various things uh, more often. Fia's been good about reminding me. She reminded me last week. Oh, yeah. That was very helpful. Cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, filling out all of the, the forms and things down in the show notes really helps us out. If you have a topic suggestion uh, or if you are a, a scientist and would like to come on as a guest, uh, we'd really appreciate it. So we have Google forms down below in the show notes for you to uh, fill out for us. Uh, we also, I'm going to, actually mean it this time uh actually do do some things on the social media uh for the podcast we do have a facebook page and a uh a twitter account and also we have a youtube account where we post every episode and occasionally such as this coming weekend uh we post bonus videos on there this weekend i'm gonna be putting out a tier list of all of these state fossils and you mostly get what i think about them just in me talking about them for a last episode and this episode, but uh, I'm going to actually rank them and do it like a sort of tier list sort of thing uh, that'll be coming out on Saturday. Um, so if you want to see where your state fossil falls, if you live in the United States, make sure to check that out. Cool. Before we get into some more state fossils, I do have a quick bit of paleontology news. Uh, something that I think actually happened like the day before we recorded last episode. So I probably could have done it if I had seen it uh, last episode, but I didn't actually see it um, until a couple days ago. But 
there has been a very controversial uh, fossil uh, that has become not controversial, or at least less controversial. So, <laughs> why yes. is it controversial? Um, so, back in 1995, uh, a group of scientists from uh, a museum in Germany uh, exported a fossil from Brazil. Oh. And this fossil, which is, a, it, by all accounts, an incredible fossil, it is informally uh, called Ubirahara. This is the name of the genus. It is a dinosaur. It is um, a, a small theropod, you know, two-legged meat-eating uh, uh, dinosaur. Okay. And the reason why it's controversial is because at the time, I think since either sometime in the late 80s or early 90s, but definitely before this, um, Brazil passed laws saying that fossils cannot be exported out of the country. And that if you publish on Brazilian fossils, you need to have a Brazilian author as well on your paper. Yeah. And so, obviously, this fossil left Brazil. For legal reasons, I will say allegedly illegally um but this has been uh you know really hot bun thing in the news last couple of years because it was formally published and the reason that i said that um the the fossil had an informal name is because the paper that was published naming this because whenever you get something a new name it's not yeah official until it gets published in a scientific paper which this did in late 2020 but the paper got withdrawn temporarily uh, by the authors. So they, they voluntarily did this once people were like, Hey, this is definitely allegedly illegal <laughs> that you have this. Allegedly? <laughs> okay, for, for legal I know. reasons. Yeah, I know. Allegedly. Um, I just like that you like so, got quiet about it. <laughs> yep. So, um, Obviously, lots of people, including people that we have had on this podcast, uh, Dr. Emma Dunn and Nasai Baraja. Uh, we had them as guests, I think, on episode 33, as well as on our uh, one-year anniversary about how to become a paleontologist. Um, so they've been very vocal about this. And uh, just this past uh, you know, week or two, that museum in Germany uh, agreed, following an extremely intense uh amount of not wanting to do so uh they agreed (laughs) to return the fossil to brazil where it belongs so um that's a good good sign and hopefully you know in the next year or so this fossil can be published and formally be given a name yeah um, which is really cool because this seems to be like i said by all accounts a really interesting fossil um it's fairly early um so it's from around 115 million years old. Um, so this would be like early Cretaceous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's really well known for having uh, really well, at least, you know, for, for fossils as well as you can have for fossils, uh, integument, really, really good integument, wow. which is like uh, outside of the skin covering. So things like hair, or in this case, because it's a dinosaur, proto feathers, particularly on each side of the body around the shoulders, there are two really long, seemingly much stiffer uh, proto feathers. Hmm. 
and that's that's where it gets its name. Apparently, the the name Yubirahara means Lord of the Spear in uh, a local language in somewhere in Brazil. Um, wow. So, yeah. So well, really cool yeah. uh, dinosaur. So hopefully this gets published properly soon. Well, that's great to hear. Some good news in science. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I'll link an article down below uh, if you want to read a little bit more about it. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It was something I was really excited to to read about some some good news in the world for a change. Yeah, you gotta you gotta celebrate the wins. Exactly. So now back to state fossils. Where are we at? So last last time we left off with Michigan, which has uh, the American mastodon as their state fossil. But can you tell me, Fia, what state comes after Michigan alphabetically? Oh no, you caught me off guard. Minnesota? I did. You got it. All right. <laughs> so Minnesota has a cool one. And, you know, before I uh, before we recorded last episode, I kind of thought that uh, just, just, you know, quickly going through all the state fossils that it was a little front loaded with some of the cool ones. Um, <laughs> but I, after actually going through and looking up some of these ones before uh, this episode, I was like, no, there's some there's some real hitters in this one, too. Um, Minnesota's state fossil is Castoroides, which is a giant beaver. Oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and when I say giant, you know, normal beavers uh, are, are probably bigger than you think. Um, but still, you know, not much bigger than a, you know, small to medium dog, we'll say. Castoroides was much larger potentially uh anywhere between six and seven feet long uh and you know getting up to 300 pounds on some of the bigger uh estimates wow so some estimates say that they were a little bit smaller closer to around 200 pounds but uh oh that's a that's a big beaver yeah it is And so these guys were around up until fairly recently, just until uh, the end of the Pleistocene. So only, you know, 11, 12,000 years ago or so. So less than a million years. So the the latter half of the alphabet coming out strong. I wonder how big their teeth are. Oh, they're really big. Yeah, like probably bigger than my head. Like especially their, their lower incisors. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the way most rodents work is they have two, uh, you know, their their two front incisors on the top and bottom uh, form chisels. And that's how they, you know, gnaw through stuff, especially in things like beavers. Um, but especially in beavers, the lower two are really, really long. Yep. And in castoroides, they were most of like the length of like a banana. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, they were real big. So like about the size of my head. Yeah, pretty close. Nice. Next up, we have Mississippi, which is continuing Alabama's trend of having a cool fossil whale uh, for their state fossil. Uh, They have, it was kind of interesting. They sort of, depending on what site you looked at, it just said fossil whale or extinct whale. Hmm. But then when I actually looked at some websites with like the actual law itself that was passed, mm-hmm. um, it 
specified that it is a genus called Zygoriza, which, similar to uh, Alabama's Bacillosaurus, is an extinct group of predatory whales. So not one of the big baleen whales like blue whales and things like that. Um, and not quite as long, but it's like its head is much bigger than Bacillosaurus. Um, so this was something that was definitely eating big prey, probably like other whales. Wow. Yeah, real, real big guy. Nasty, nasty teeth. Really cool. I love extinct whales. They're so cool. And uh, both in in Bazillosaurus, it's less noticeable, but in Zygoriza, uh, you can still see its little tiny uh, back feet. (laughs) Aw, that's Yeah, it's it's really cute because uh, they do exist in uh, modern whales as well. Like in their skeleton, they just don't come out of the body. Like they're there, you just can't see them. Um, but in these guys, they probably had two little tiny flippers uh, that kind of just poked out of the body that may have helped in like, it, it sort of thought they might've helped in like positioning uh, during reproduction or something like that. Hmm. Interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we don't really know. Yeah. We could because the whales that we have don't have that, so what could it possibly be using it for? Right. Right. Next up, we have Missouri, who, going back to the uh, uh, invertebrate side, we have Delocrinus missouriensis, which is a type of crinoid. Uh, I think this is our first state that had a crinoid, so crinoids are really cool. Uh, They named this as their state fossil in 1989. Um, So again, up there with some of the older ones, but not quite some of the, you know, 70s that we had last episode. But crinoids are cool because they are effectively upside down starfish on like a a, a stalk, more or less. Yeah. So, um, and they're still around today, but they are much less common and much less like a... They have a much less like ecological impact than they they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that this species was around, um, I think, in the Permian period, so somewhere between um, two like a little over two hundred million years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere between 300, 250 million years ago, and so it, they basically just filter feed through the water there. Uh, what's called micro predators. So they just sort of pick little floaty things out of the water, micro and predators. they have these little. Yeah, that's such a powerful um, name to call. Oh, something. I know, <laughs> I know, I love it. And so on their arms, because you think of like a starfish, they have arms. Um, most um, crinoids had more than the five you think of with uh, with a starfish, but uh, all along these arms, they have little feet. That would, you know, once they would catch a thing in the water, they would move it down the little feet to their mouth in the middle, just like a starfish's mouth is in the middle. Um, only these, instead of crawling around on the bottom like a starfish, they had like a, an anchor called a holdfast that would hold them to the, the the substrate, the bottom of the ocean. And then they would be on a stalk and so that they'd be feeding up in the water column instead of on the seafloor itself. Cool. So... Yeah, like I said, not extinct, even though you'd be forgiven if you had never heard of them before, because they generally today only live in like pretty deep water. Gotcha. But really cool. Um, 
And then Missouri also has a state dinosaur, which is, depending on how you, depending on which paper you're reading, has one genus or a different genus. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, we don't really know exactly which. So the most recent one doesn't mean it's necessarily correct, but most recent uh, paper to come out uh, called it Hypsibema missouriensis, which is a type of dinosaur um, called, it's in the hadrosaur group. Okay. Uh, so they, you know, the sort of iguanodon sort of, you know, big herbivorous dinosaurs, but all the ones without all the fancy things like, uh, you know, not like Triceratops where it's got horns or not like the sauropods where they're just gigantic. This was yeah. um, probably elephant-ish size, so still pretty big, um, but not uh, not gigantic. But it is really notable just that uh, dinosaurs in general on sort of the eastern half of the country are fairly uncommon. Uh, so it's notable that, that it was found in, in Missouri. Uh, just because the rocks aren't quite the right age. Um gotcha. So for a lot of, especially the Cretaceous, so the end of the time when non-bird dinosaurs were around, mm-hmm. uh, the middle of the country was uh, covered by an ocean. Um. And so, yeah, so that made a lot of nice deposits uh, in the middle of the country. So we have lots of marine reptiles and things like that, you know, all from, you know, m- uh, you know, northern Canada all the way down to Texas, just in the middle sort of basically the great plains today. Um, and on the West side of that, there was just a lot better environments for depositing rocks instead of on the East coast where there was mostly erosion happening. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it's not the right settings to really get a bunch of fossils, but they do happen. Yes. Um, and then especially in the Northeast, we had all those pesky glaciers that even if we did have some rocks that could have dinosaurs, they all just got eroded away by the glaciers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So they named that as their state fossil in 2000, or state uh, dinosaur in 2004. So a, a fairly recent one. Next up, we have Montana, who in 1985 named Myasaura pebulosaurum. I may have Question mispronounced the species name, but yeah. <laughs> um, but my, myasaura, you know, most uh, dinosaurs are just kind of called by their genus name. Um, but yeah, so myasaura is very famously, uh, you know, myasaura, meaning the mother lizard. It is extremely well known from j- very large, like like a large area of a nesting site. Hmm. So, uh Myasaura is, uh, so the, the person who was sort of inspired the character of Alan Grant from Jurassic Park, uh, the person who, like in, in the real world that inspired that character, his name is Jack Horner. Um, he is a very, you know, accomplished paleontologist, but he's a little sketch, so we don't like to talk about him too much. <laughs> um, but he's very well known for working with Myasaura and, uh, was this was some of the first really good evidence that dinosaurs were actually really caring parents that they yeah. actually you know spent time and, and raised their young instead of you know what you think of with a lot of 
lizards or things like snakes that just kind of lay their eggs and leave, even though that's really not the case for a lot of lizards and snakes either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so because they found it with so many uh, of its young in all these nesting sites, they named it the mother lizard. So um, really cool species of dinosaur. My is cool. It is a another hadrosaur, so a duckbill dinosaur uh, member. So uh, good on you, Montana. Not maybe what I would have chosen, but <laughs> still a, a, a cool one. To each their own. Yeah. Next up, we have Nebraska. And Nebraska... It didn't, like, try as little as, like, Kentucky <laughs> did. Because Kentucky just just said brachiopod. Yeah. Which, as we talked about last episode, is an entire phylum yeah. of life. They, they didn't quite be that lazy, Nebraska. Um, but they just named the genus Mammuthus. Uh, as their state fossil in 1967. I think that might be the old, one of the oldest ones in the list. Wow. Um, so Mammuthus is the genus for mammoths. Yep. But there are 10 species of mammoths, depending on which paper you're reading. So which one? Who oh, knows? Man. I think there's at least two known from Nebraska, maybe three. Um, but... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to complain super hard because mammoths are still cool. Yep. Next up, we have one of my favorites, I think, especially from this half, but we have Nevada coming in with uh, Shonisaurus popularis, mm-hmm. which I'm going to give them a lot of credit for because they named that in 1977, but the scientific name changed because, you know, as I've talked about a whole lot before, um, as we get more information, sometimes we realize these two species that we thought were different are actually the same. And in that case, whichever one was named first, that one is the name that stays. Uh, so they named it whatever it used to be in 1977. But when the name got changed, they changed the official state fossil in 1988. So uh, since then, it has been Shonisaurus popularis. Shonisaurus is really cool. It is a middle Triassic ichthyosaur. So a group of reptiles that we haven't talked a whole lot about on the podcast, but they are sort of the first truly, you know, well-adapted marine reptiles of the Mesozoic. The ones that look the most like fish. That's what ichthyosaur means is fish lizard. (laughs) And they, uh, oh, Shonisaurus is really cool. So Shonisaurus is pretty much considered the biggest of the ichthyosaurs there's probably a little bit of there might be one or two other species that are close of the two species of shonisaurus that there is this one uh shonisaurus popularis is i think 14 meters long wow 14 meters 14 meters for all my friends out there that use freedom units that would be in the ballpark of 45 to 50 feet jeez and again, that's the smaller of the two species. <laughs> there is another. There is another species that may or may not belong to another genus. Again, depending on what um, paper you're reading, but that one is closer to twenty meters. Mm. Which, again, for my freedom-loving friends, is close to seventy feet. Jeez. Which would make it. Arguably bigger than uh, any mosasaur 
that ever lived. I think most of the Mosasaurs, the ones that are talking about for the biggest ones, top out at 60, like 55, 60. Um, so other than whales, this would be the biggest thing that's really ever swam in the ocean. And it's a reptile? And it's a reptile. Kind of. Oh, no, it's for sure a reptile. Oh. Um, yeah, they're not particularly closely related to dinosaurs or, or really any other kind of reptile that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably more closely related to uh, lizards, but where they kind of fit is has always kind of been up for debate just because they're really weird. They have a lot of really strange anatomical features that make them hard to fit yeah. uh, the other reptiles. So um, really cool group of reptiles especially ichthyosaurs we'll have an episode about them at some point um but oh man shonisaurus good job nevada picking a good one and then updating your taxonomy yeah that's what we like to see go nevada next up we have new jersey with hadrosaurus folkii which they named in 1991 so hadrosaurus is uh the hadrosaur you know hadrosaurs are the group of sort of duck build dinosaurs and usually when a brand new nothing like it's ever been named before you know it gets a new genus and species and if it's super different then it gets a new family Hmm. and in usually that doesn't make um, sense really well i mean well taxonomy we've we've had many episodes talking about how taxonomy is all just kind of arbitrary at the end of the day right um but yeah, so if especially this one, Hadrosaurus was named probably back in at least the early 1900s, if not earlier. Gotcha. So this was this was an early dinosaur. Okay. Um, and so especially if it's the first member of its group named, uh, that becomes the name of some of the higher levels of taxonomy too. So for example, Tyrannosaurus rex is in the family Tyrannosauridae. Okay. Because Tyrannosaurus was the first one named, if that makes sense. Yes. So just in order to keep the naming consistent, they just keep traveling it up the 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 tree, essentially. Oh. So and it even can kind of get ridiculous. Like I think the next like four quote unquote levels up from Tyrannosaurus are all some variation of Tyrannosaur or something. Cool. There's like Tyrannosauridae, tri- Tyrannosauridae, Tyrannosaurus. You know, it's see, just you know all I nested groups. I see that pattern groups. a lot too in like some of the stuff that I'm studying, yeah. and that make that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hadrosaurus, like I said, was one of probably the first named Hadrosaur, at least the one that gave its name to the actual family. Um, so this is sort of the the epitomous uh, duck-billed dinosaur. So really cool, especially yeah. like I said, being found on the East Coast pretty uncommon especially in new jersey because new jersey is small yeah um so good on you new jersey nice job next up we have new mexico they have their state fossil which is coelophysis bowery named in 1981 coelophysis is a very very well-known um early dinosaur like really really early one of one of if not the first dinosaur that's truly a dinosaur known at least especially oh. in north america um yeah so this would be 
middle Triassic, somewhere in the ballpark of 225 million years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, for, for all of our listeners out there, if you've seen Jurassic Park 2, I guess, or Jurassic Park 3, they're in that one too. Um, <laughs> but they are very similar to the uh, Compies, the Compsognathus, um, from those movies, except maybe a little bigger. But very slender, two-legged theropod dinosaur, very uh, skinny neck, almost like a goose neck, but then <laughs> with a small carnivorous dinosaur head at the front. Huh. Um, and on, not all that much bigger than like a turkey, probably, like size-wise, so not all that big. Yeah. But still, really early dinosaurs are, are really cool because they tell us a lot about, you know, um, what might... You know, the, the, especially for a big group like dinosaurs, the earliest members are always really interesting because it's just interesting to follow the path of how they got to be the way they ended up. Pretty cool. Next, we get to my favorite. It's time. One of the cool, one of the cool states, <laughs> our, New York, our home state. Yes, sir. So, going back to the invertebrate side, New York has a Eurypterid as their state fossil. Eurypterus remipes, which they named as a state fossil in 1984. Now, Fiat, do you know what a a Eurypterid is? No, but I've been uh, typing in these names on Google so I can have some pictures with me. Uh, Ah, okay. (laughs) And they look pretty cool. Yeah, so Eurypterids are sea scorpions. So, they're not... They're called that, but they're not really that closely related to scorpions themselves. They're in the same group as, you know, scorpions and spiders and, um, like, horseshoe crabs as well. So they're not arachnids, but they're arachnid adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're really cool. Some of them could get up to, you know, three meters or so, give or take ten feet. Um, yeah. And especially during the Silurian period and probably early Devonian, uh, they were some of the the top predators in the ocean. Um, And some of them, even up to like the Carboniferous period, uh, would be known to come up and and hunt stuff on the shore. Wow. So uh, New York is very well known for their Eurypterids, particularly over around the Buffalo area. Uh, There's a lot of really cool Silurian age rocks uh, from from that area. And so um, Eurypterus is itself as a genus it's not particularly big it's you know maybe about the size of your hand maybe a little bigger um nice but yeah yeah so but they kind of look like sorry they kind of look like something you would see like in the atlantis uh the lost empire disney movie yeah i'm picturing yeah they do but probably a lot smaller yeah but like i said some of them like i said could fit in your hand some of them could be you know human sized so um yeah but this one like i said you know eurypterus probably where uh the family eurypterid eurypteridae comes from more more taxonomy for you (laughs) um but yeah good on you new york picking invertebrates yeah go inverts not that there's too much of a choice uh it'd pretty much either (laughs) be a eurypterid or a mammoth or mastodon that's pretty much all new york's got for uh for vertebrates they got creative, I guess. Yeah. 
Next, we have North Carolina. And this one's actually interesting for a reason that's a little bit of nonsense. (laughs) Um, Potentially. I I thought it was going to be nonsense, but actually turned out maybe not. So their state fossil is Otodus megalodon. Megalodon, the giant shark. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is this is what Georgia should have done, but they just picked shark teeth <laughs> instead. Um, so they named that as their state fossil in 2013, which I was like, hmm, what year did that Shark Week fake documentary come out? Oh, no. And it was 2013. It was the same year. Cool. However, Shark Week... It, it actually, I think, was a coincidence. Wow. Because Shark Week is in, like, usually somewhere between late July and mid-August. It, it's Shark Week right now, I'm pretty sure. Is it? I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Interesting. I I thought it was a little later, but it might be Shark Week. Um, it starts July 24th? Okay, yeah, so it's Shark Week. Woohoo! Well, I know what we're talking about next week. Um, we already did an episode on sharks, but uh, sharks have lots of relatives, so we can talk about them maybe. Cool. Um, yeah, because next week would be a Mike episode, so we'll see if Mike's uh, gonna be gonna be back. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so Shark Week is roughly this time of year, but they named that as their state fossil. I think I think I like looked up the legislation, and it was in like March. Okay. So they named it same year, but a couple months before Shark Week. So unless they had some inside knowledge of Shark Week, <laughs> uh, complete coincidence. So uh, Megalodon, you know, you've probably heard of it. Giant shark, you know, big, big, big shark, 50 or so feet long. Um, it's been bounced around what genus it's in, but people just call it sort of by the species name Megalodon. Which is really funny, because there is actually a genus called Megalodon, which is some kind of bivalve. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Yep. And there's been several science writers who don't actually know science who have confused the two. Oh. Um, I think there was a paper published about the bivalve, and some poor science writer was just like, oh, I'm writing about this. And man, they were they were very confused. <laughs> Next up, we have North Dakota, whose fossil is Torito wood. Oh. Which is interesting. And I actually had to have this explained to me um, in the past. So one of my old roommates, was uh, she did her undergrad in college in North Dakota. And so uh, she was a paleontologist too. We went to the same grad program. And she was bummed that that was North Dakota State Fossil because she thought it was lame. But I actually think it's kind of neat. So they named that as their state fossil in 1967. So another really old one. Mm -hmm. Torito wood is wood that has boreholes in it from a type of worm uh, where the genus is Torito. Oh. Which is interesting. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They're actually not worms. I was wrong. They're called naval ship worms, and I just took that at face value. They're actually yeah. some kind of bivalve. Sure. Whoa. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so they apparently, uh, I think they use their shell to sort of bore into the wood, things like driftwood. Um, so Torito wood is, you know, and Torito, the genus is still around today. You know, that's, that's, you can still go out and find those, find those clams. But um, they, uh, I guess, in the past, when, like I said earlier, when the center of North America was covered in ocean during the Cretaceous, um, just like you can find driftwood in the oceans today, wood would drift out into the ocean back then too. And I guess these particular bivalves really like to uh, bore through wood with their shells. They, they work their shells back and forth and drill into the wood to give themselves a substrate. And for whatever reason, they just really like wood. Hmm. So I think that's actually really neat. It is. Um, and, and they just basically float around on the wood so that they don't have to uh, sit in the same spot. They can float around with the wood. A little bit of a bummer if the wood washes up, but you know, yeah. details. <laughs> so good on you, North Dakota. Uh, it's a really unique one, I think. Um, and named way back in 1967. Good on yeah. you. Yeah. That's pretty old to be having those big thoughts. Right. And like, like I said, I think 1967 is at least tied for the oldest state fossils. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think so, too. So good for you, North Dakota. Those words probably will not leave my lips again. <laughs> Sorry, I, I did grad school in South Dakota. We're a little biased. Yeah. We have next Ohio with uh, their, they have a state fossil. And well, actually, they specified more. They have a state invertebrate fossil. Whoa. And then a state fish fossil. Wow. Yeah. So their state invertebrate fossil is Isotelus maximus, which is a type of trilobite. Trilobites, we've talked about. Uh, we've previously described as undersea Roombas. Yes. Um, they are a type of arthropod. So they are very loosely related to uh, things like uh, insects, you know, arthropods being anything with a hard exoskeleton, like a crab, insects, spiders, things like that. So they are arthropods, but not very closely related to almost anything that we have alive today. But Isotelus was one of the biggest uh, isopods. They were around in the late Ordovician period. And Isotelus maximus, um, I think, is up there with the, the largest species of trilobite. Um, it's hard to find, you know, good measurements, but, um, another species of isotelus was o- over two feet in length. Wow. Which for trilobites is enormous. And, yeah. uh, so isotelus maximus was, it was not quite that big, but probably, you know, easily over a foot and a half probably. So um a big an actual undersea roomba and uh ohio also like i said have a state fish fossil and they chose dunkelosteus uh what is the species name there are a couple species dunkelosteus terrelli and they just named that in a night or uh i'm very sleepy today uh <laughs> they just named this as, as their state fossil last year 2021 
Wow. Dunkleosteus is really cool. Um, I think technically these have been found in New York as well. Hmm. Uh, So I think I've mentioned just sort of offhandedly Dunkleosteus a handful of times before when we've talked about fish evolution. So Dunkleosteus is a placoderm, uh, sort of colloquially known as the armored fish, sort of the front third of their body, mostly around the head, uh, is pretty much the only place where they had actual bone. The rest of their body was much like a shark and probably cartilage. Um, But the front half is very solid bone. uh, And Dunkleosteus is, imagine sort of a great white shark, Maybe a little bigger even, Whoa. but it's its entire head covered in bony armor. That's terrifying. Yeah. And what makes them even more scary is uh, a lot of placoderms did not have teeth. Instead, they just used bone. They had, they had <laughs> jaws, so they just had sharpened jaws that they would use basically as scissors. To just cut right through stuff. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, these guys were really hardcore. Um, This is likely where uh, bony fish evolved from, this group uh, called placoderms. So bony fish being most of the fish you're thinking of, and then also including things like um, tetrapods, you know, all the land vertebrates. So really interesting. I like placoderms. They're really, really cool. And especially Dunkleosteus, which was probably the biggest. Yeah. So good on you, Ohio. Picking some real winners here. Next up, we have Oklahoma, who kind of (laughs) cheats. So Oklahoma, in 2000, named their state fossil a dinosaur called Sorophaganax maximus. So Sorophaganax means uh, lizard eater, to something to that effect. Um, phage, P-H-A-G, usually means something to do with eating. And then soro, meaning lizard. Hmm. Um, so it's a big theropod dinosaur um, from the late Jurassic period. And by big, uh, you know, not quite T-Rex big, but for, for the late Jurassic, there wasn't anything t-rex sized so this was probably one of the bigger things running around um and somewhere in the ballpark of 40 ish feet long and then give or take somewhere between three and four tons okay so big animal yeah Uh, for reference the big rhinos weigh about four tons (laughs) but this would be something size wise be about the size of an elephant because it's you know theropod dinosaur up on two legs so cool guy but like i said oklahoma cheats why and so even though they have a dinosaur as their state fossil in 2006 they also named a state dinosaur that is cheating yeah so in 2006 they named acrocanthosaurus etokensis as their state dinosaur which uh is a little bit later on but still uh, you know, vaguely related to Sorophagidex. And uh, so this is from like middle Cretaceous or so. And uh, Acrocanthosaurus is a decent amount 
chunkier. It's probably about the same size and weight, but just its body was proportioned a bit differently. Um, so this is uh, sort of the the T-Rex before T-Rex almost, if that makes sense. So, so this was, yeah. Is this dinosaur cooler than the Sorophaganex? I think so, personally, just okay. because Acryocanthosaurus has uh, really tall neural spines, which are the uh, sort of, I guess, spine that comes up off of the vertebrae okay. um, along the back. So it, a lot of people have in the past reconstructed it with like a small sail. That's probably not true. Mm-hmm. Um, would It probably just had muscle or potentially fat stores up there, which is why it has those taller spines. Um which, and which is why I say that it um, would have looked a little like chunkier than yeah. uh, X. However, the name Sorophaganax is also really cool. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but just trying to get a feel why they would cheat and add in another dinosaur, I guess. I really, I really don't know. Right. Um, I guess Oklahoma is just jealous of the surrounding states stealing its paleontology thunder yeah (laughs) anyway so we yeah moving on we have oregon who also cheats a little bit (laughs) so so they they only have one so they don't cheat in the same way that oklahoma did um but they named a a genus so they don't have a species for it just the genus uh but that genus is still alive Uh oh so they named Metasequoia as their uh, state fossil in 2005. And so Metasequoia is a one of the three like species of true redwood trees. So we still have one species of them today. There's uh, Metasequoia glyptostroboides. Say that five times. <laughs> um, but it's, it's actually quite unique, at least the, the single living species of Metasequoia that we have today. Uh, it's somewhat unique in that it's a conifer, you know, a redwood, a pine sort of tree that is deciduous. It's a pine tree that drops its needles in the winter. Hmm. Yeah. Being from the Northeast, that's not really a thing that exists. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is uh, interesting. So... Uh, they are very large trees, like you would think of with, you know, the, the West Coast redwoods. So they sort of are in a group with the, the ones that you think of as the, the true redwoods, which are in completely separate genera. So not super closely related, but in terms of, I don't, you know, I don't understand plants. Um, <laughs> as closely related as plants can be in different genera. Um but yeah, so I, th- I think they're even still native to Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. But I guess they found fossils of it in Oregon. And we're like, hey, we really like this tree. So we're going to make it our state fossil too. <laughs> so good on you, Oregon. Next up, we have Pennsylvania, where I now live. Hey. And I have a bone to pick. Oh. <laughs> a bone. So, not that was not a pun. Oh, <laughs> that was completely unintentional. Um, I wish that that had been on purpose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
earlier, I mentioned that Nevada, and I believe there was another state that actually did it last episode as well, where they changed the taxonomy. Once once the scientific name had been changed, they, they wanted to keep the same thing as their fossil, so they passed another law updating the name. Okay. Pennsylvania did not do that. Um, oh. So there's an extremely famous um, genus of trilobites. Same group of with that Isotelus one that was really big from Ohio. Um, uh, there's a very famous genus called Fake Ops. <laughs> very, very diverse. Um, very well known in among other places, Pennsylvania. So there's, and sort of the, one of the most well-known species from that genus is Phacops rana. And that was the, what was named as Pennsylvania's state fossil in 1988. However, uh, a group of authors decided that eh, this particular species doesn't seem like it fits. It's a little different, or it's, it's different enough from the other species in Phacops that they thought it deserves its own genus. So they gave it a new genus called Eldridgeops, which they named as like from Eldridge, like horrors sort of things. It's very well known for having really big, funky eyes, which is apparently a a thing in like Eldridge books. I don't know. Um, So the official name is Eldridgeops Rana. However, the Pennsylvania state legislature has not changed it yet. Uh. Um, when did so technically, it? oh, go ahead. When did the taxonomy change? That's an excellent question. I don't particularly know. Let me look. But it's like been a minute. Yeah, it, it wasn't even in the last like year or two, I don't think. Got it. Okay. So they've definitely had time. Right. Yeah. So I looked and I couldn't, I don't know when, uh, when it was changed, but I, I don't believe it's been in the last couple of years. Yeah. So. Um, Pennsylvania state legislature, I know you've had a lot of other things going on with, uh, you know, a whole, a whole pandemic, but, uh, this could literally take two seconds in a state legislature. So, Hey, get on it. Yeah. So after Pennsylvania, we have South Carolina who in 2014, so it took a while and you would think, I think all of the other coastal states named something coastal um yeah like north carolina named megalodon um as we'll see in a little bit virginia named something aquatic um so like its neighbors and and some of its uh you know nearby states named something aquatic south carolina said no south carolina said i'm gonna be different yep they decided i'm gonna be basic (laughs) ah And in 2014, named Mammuthus columbi, the oh, Colombian on. mammoth. Yeah. Okay. Which, like, yeah, Colombian mammoths are cool. They're really big. Yeah. But uh, at least, like, three or four other states have mammoths as their state fossil or state, as we'll talk about in a little bit. One state has them as their... Uh, terrestrial fossil because they differentiated mm-hmm. um, and in that case I think that's fine because they picked something else that was cool um, but anyway Colombian mammoths really cool um, especially because when people think of mammoths they always think of the woolly mammoth which Colombian mammoths despite being closely related to we don't really have any evidence that they were super woolly 
they probably just looked like a real big Indian elephant. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because mammoths are more closely related to the Indian elephants than to the African elephants. Um, wow. Yeah, so they probably just looked like a giant, especially with Colombian mammoths, a much bigger yeah. um, Colombian or, uh, Indian Indian elephant. Cool. So, I guess it's fine, South Carolina. <laughs> you're you're doing you're doing your best out here. Are they though? Next. No <laughs> Next, we have South Dakota, who picks an an old one but a good one. They picked Triceratops horridus, the Ooh. very you know quintessential. I think there's two species of Triceratops. This is the more well known one. Um, yeah, they named that as their state fossil in 1988. And funnily enough, we actually um, where I did my grad school in South Dakota. We have the actual specimen because they specified not only a species, but an actual specimen when they passed the law. And that specimen is on display uh, at the museum that I worked at in South Dakota. So that's pretty cool. So you've seen it? Yeah. That's so cool. I've I've dusted it off. (laughs) Oh, you touched it. Yes. (laughs) Nice. Which, like, is not really supposed to happen. But it's in, like, a middle sort of thing, so people couldn't really get to it. Um, but I worked there, so I could. Perks. Yeah. So, tri- Triceratops. Um, if you don't know what it is, um, go touch grass, um, <laughs> as, as the kids say. Um, one of the most famous dinosaurs, right up there with T-Rex. Um, I don't think... Do you think I need to describe Triceratops? No, I think, I mean, I knew what it was, and I know very little about dinosaurs, so. Cool beans. So, moving on, we have something right up Fia's alley in Tennessee. Oh. We have Petrotrigonia, or I guess, nope, that's a silent, that's a silent P. Um, Pterotrigonia thoracica, which they named as their state fossil in 1998, which is a bivalve. Wait, can you say it again? Pterotrigonia. Got it. But with a but with a P at the beginning. Oh, this is pretty. They're very pretty. Yeah. They are Sophia, actually tell me about this, because I am like, I it's the internet tells me it's a bivalve. Other than that, I don't know. Yeah, it looks kind of like um it's like it has ribs almost. And uh, mm-hmm. it almost looks spiral, but it's not because it's obviously bivalve, so it has two shells. Right. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks pretty pretty cool. Yeah, and there's there's nothing particularly closely related alive uh, today, but there is a larger group that is, I guess, the order of Trigoniida that's still alive today, still kicking. So it's got some relatives, but not anything particularly close. Um, and the ones that I looked up that are still alive, I don't even particularly look like it. So, hmm. by bivalve taxonomy, man. <laughs> taxonomy, but, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this was a marine uh, bivalve in the late Jurassic through the Cretaceous, um, which is very strange that it's in Tennessee. Yeah. 
I don't particularly think of, I don't think that the Western Interior Seaway got that far east. That section of North America that was covered in ocean in the Cretaceous, I don't think it got that east, but um, apparently it did. Yeah. Funnily enough, literally two years after Tennessee named that as their state fossil, uh, one of the best fossil sites in North America, arguably the world, uh, was discovered in Tennessee. Whoa. <laughs> in, in, two, in 2000, yeah. Um, that'd be the Gray Fossil Site, which is uh, associated with East Tennessee State University. Um, so, really cool fossil site, but uh, we can go into that later, in a, in a later episode. Cool. Next up, we have another sort of cheater. Texas. <laughs> so, Texas, you're really doing a lot of things right now. So I have no problems calling you a cheater. Yeah. So, they don't have a state fossil. Okay. But they do have a state dinosaur. Alright. So that's that's one way in which they cheat. They also cheated, in which they named a dinosaur, which we only have four bones from. <laughs> but it is a really cool one who its name is probably the, my favorite name of a dinosaur so i guess i'll have to congratulate texas a little bit so in 2009 they named soro poseidon prolestes as their poseidon. state fossil soro poseidon which Poseidon, famously the Greek god of the ocean, is also the god of earthquakes. So what they meant for this to mean is lizard earthquake god. <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. Especially because this is right up there with... If, if you know, again, four bones, there's only so much you can say. Um, but if it compares well to what it's probably related to, this was right up there with one of the biggest sauropods ever. So sauropods being the long neck, long tail dinosaurs, your uh, brontosaurus type of dinosaurs. Um, so we have four neck vertebrae from Sauroposeidon, and they are gigantic. Each one, um, I guess sort of the, the middle one is about as tall as a person. Wow. So a neck vertebra give or take a fia size it's a little smaller than six feet so not quite a gavin but <laughs> definitely a fia um, you're taller than six feet yeah huh. only a little okay good to know um but depending on which paper you're reading because again if you only have four bones the estimates for how big this thing is very wildly but um it is a member of the group that held its head much higher off the ground compared to something like a diplodocus which uh held their head more or less level with their back but this thing could have its head something close to 50 feet off the ground so it could look into a five-story building how did they know this much with just four bones um so with sauropods their neck bones are very distinctive uh so you can make assumptions so, Right. If it had just been like a couple toes, yeah, be like, oh, this is a big sauropod. But 
no, we, we even have, you know, we, we know that it's even like one of the bigger groups, um, obviously. And so uh, that's something you can just sort of tell where if it's like, well, the, all of its relatives do this thing. So it would be weird if this one didn't. Yeah. So um, a, a really good example of something that I actually heard about that was we've never actually found hair on a saber tooth cat. But it would be real weird if they just didn't have hair, so you just yeah. assume that it does. Okay. So, similar thing. So, you cheat in several ways, Texas, but fine, you picked a cool one. <laughs> Next up, we have Utah, who also cheats the same way that Oklahoma does. However, I know loosely through the podcast... Um, Somebody who helped name the the state dinosaur, so I guess we'll let it slide. Nice. So, Utah, in 1988, named Allosaurus fragilis as their state fossil. And so, uh, Allosaurus, again, very quintessential theropod dinosaur. Um, It was around in the, the later Jurassic and was one of the bigger theropods around. It was... I, I hate when I hear people say this, but I guess I'm going to say it as well. Um, it was sort of the T-Rex of its time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was probably the biggest predator, especially like in North America. I don't know exactly what the rest of the world was doing, but in North America, the biggest theropod dinosaur around, um, give or take 30 feet. Um, so big animal uh, you know and was hunting things. Oh, go ahead. Do you know why, like, the species name was Fragilis? Like, it sounds, like, fragile to me. I'm like, that seems misleading. Right. So, um, it is relatively slender for okay. a theropod its size. Okay. Um, so it is hypothesized that it was very good at running and chasing down its prey. Um, plus some other theropod dinosaurs... In which, you know, this was named before T-Rex was known. Okay. So, take this with a grain of salt. But, um, so T-Rex, its skull is big and beefy to be able to take bite forces and just crush through anything that it can chew on. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Allosaurus and its relatives, um, their skulls are not built for that. If it, Uh... you know, if it took the stress that like a T-Rex bite could produce, it would snap it would break itself so they probably just use their head in a different way uh when hunting like mm-hmm. you bit in different ways essentially um and we're probably much more pursuit predators than something like a t-rex which might have been like an ambush predator or something gotcha yeah so think of sort of a this is a cheetah compared to like a lion of a yeah. that is a t-rex in this okay. analogy yeah so yeah, that's their state fossil. However, in 2018, Utah raptor was named as their state dinosaur, which is pretty cool that they actually named Utah raptor as Utah's state dinosaur. Who would have thought? Nice. So Utah raptor is uh, more or less the size of what the velociraptors in Jurassic Park are. Maybe maybe a little bigger. Um so it is one of the largest members of the uh, family Dromaeosauridae, 
which is the quote unquote raptor family. Um, but it could be somewhere in the ballpark of 17 feet long. So not quite as big as something like Allosaurus, but could be anywhere from, you know, mid 600s of pounds. So this, this was a big animal. Um, but it was compared to other, you know, members of this family quite heavily built. So not quite as, you know, chase after you and get you like a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park, as you would think, but um, probably much more an ambush predator like I was just talking about. Cool. Yeah, and we actually had uh, one of the people who really pushed for this to be named as their state fossil because because his kid was interested in it. In a, I interviewed him on an episode of the podcast, and if I was a, a better host, I would know what episode that is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when uh, all the construction stuff at the um, uh, the fossil trackway in Utah, you know, the construction that damaged the trackways, when we talked about that story, we had uh, somebody on who, you know, lives in Utah and uh, is a very well-connected person in, politically in Utah. And so um, he his son likes dinosaurs and he, you know, helped his son get this named as the, uh, the state dinosaur. Cool. Yeah. Getting toward the end of the list, we have Vermont, who does something real cool. Um, Vermont has a state marine fossil and a state terrestrial fossil. So their state marine fossil is Delphinapterus lucas, which is the beluga whale. Oh. Yeah, back during the Ice Age, and even a little more recently than that, um... The St. Lawrence Seaway, which connects the Great Lakes out to the ocean, uh, was much more flooded and marine than it is today. And so beluga whales made it much farther up the river. You can still find them in the mouth of the river way up in Canada, but they don't really get all the way into the river, um, you know, like into the Great Lakes. But back then, they did. And so they left fossils in places like Vermont. Wow. Yeah. So they named that as... uh, their state fossil in 1993, but then they redesignated it as their state marine fossil because in 2014, they named the woolly mammoth as their state terrestrial fossil. Oh. All right. Right, and it's like, okay, okay, you did something else kind of neat. Yeah. Vermont, so we'll give you a pass. Yeah. Next up, we have Virginia, which in 1993 named Chesapectin jeffersonius as their state fossil. And Fia, does pectin ring a bell? Yes, but uh, I don't know at the moment. It's something with biochemistry. Oh. Uh, Not where I was going, but probably. (laughs) Uh, So pectin is a common suffix or something associated with scallops. Oh. I don't do scallops. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, they're, they're bivalves. I don't know. I just thought maybe, I know, I know, I know they're, you know, bivalves are a very diverse group of animals. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, Chesapectin is a relatively recent, um, you know, just in the latest Miocene to, to through the Pliocene a little bit. So only, you know, five to four ish million years ago, um, species of, um, scallop. That was found in Virginia. Cool. Cool beans. So it's named 
after the like the Chesapeake Bay, you know, and uh, Jeffersonius named after you know Thomas Jefferson because he was from Virginia, I guess. Sure. Oh, oh Tommy J. <laughs> Tommy J. Like All that. right, rounding out, we're in the we're in the last letter of our state alphabet here. We have Washington State, which in 1998 also named the Columbian Mammoth. Is there a state fossil? We've already talked about the Columbian Mammoth. Yeah, but good on you, Washington. It's a it's a good one. There's there's lots of cool fossils. Come on, Washington. <laughs> um, including. I don't know that this has been found in Washington, but it's a cooler fossil. Uh, West Virginia, in 2008, named Megalonyx jeffersoni, which also is named after Thomas Jefferson. Um, Why? But I I think he actually discovered this one, so there's actually a reason for it. Okay. Um, Or at least was, like, a big part of, like, finding it, I think. Um, But yeah, Megalonyx is a genus of ground sloth. Pretty cool. Very cool. Not one of the giant ones. Um, this species was um, smallish rhino-sized, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 10 feet long, about 2,000 pounds. So um, much, much more cow-sized, I guess. Um, but if a cow could stand up on its hind legs and had big old claws... <laughs> To get you. Like a bear, um, maybe? Like a big old bear, yeah. Yeah. Like, what if bear but cow? <laughs> Got it. Yep. So that's that's West Virginia. Good job, West Virginia. Nice one. Second to last, we have Wisconsin. And we're swinging back to the inverts because they named... E's at the end of words in Latin or Greek always confuse me because it's like, do I pronounce? How do I pronounce that? Anyway, <laughs> Calimene celebra, Calebra, Celebra. I don't know. It's a trilobite. Um, it is somewhat closely related to uh, that one from Pennsylvania, Eldrodops. So in the same ballpark, but it is from the uh, Silurian period. So... Cool. Not super notable. Smallish trilobite, but good for you, Wisconsin, for having a little uh, homegrown pride. Not <laughs> not a well-known one, so it took... Somebody really wanted that as well. And yeah. was if, it, if it's not something fancy or cool, like a mammoth, um, somebody... This must have just been like one legislator's pet project that they must have just been so annoying about that everybody else was like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so good, good for you, that guy or girl. Lastly, we have Wyoming. And they also have two fossils. In 1987, they named the fish genus Nitia uh, as their state fossil. So it is a, a small fish that is in the same sort of group as herring and sardines. So it would be a very familiar looking fish, but they are very well known from Wyoming from being uh, exceptionally well preserved. You can see basically every single bone in their body. And it is that, that finding them in that form with, with that quality of preservation uh, from this particular, I think it's the, the green river 
group mm-hmm. uh, is the name of the rock formation that was founded. Um, finding them in that with that whole body right there is very common in that particular formation. So uh, good on you, Wyoming. But they also have a state dinosaur, which they didn't specify the species, but it is Triceratops, which they named in uh, 1994, almost certainly in response to Jurassic Park. Because <laughs> the movie came out in 1993. Yeah. It checks out. And so, that concludes our list of state fossils. We got through it. We if you... It. We did. If if you live in a state, let me know your thoughts on uh, on your state fossil. Or if you live in one of those four states that do not, uh, looking at you, Hawaii, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island, um, maybe pester your legislators about it. Because uh, <laughs> the, the more fossils, the barrier. Nice. And so, uh, like I said, I will be doing a tier list video of all of these state fossils coming out uh, this Saturday. So keep an eye out for that. But that's my time done. Fia, what do you have for us for Swamp Corner this week? Oh, yeah. So. (laughs) I almost forgot. (laughs) Um, This, not this week, last week, um, I was processing some of my community samples. And I came across this fish. And I was like. I don't know what the heck this fish is. It looked like <laughs> it looked like a flounder at first, and then it kind of looked like oh, it had like the mouth of a trout. And then I was confused. It so I go around at Lumcon, like the uh, marine center that I'm working at, and I'm asking all these professors. I'm like, "Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is?" Nobody knows what it is. I go around and ask like some of the local people that work there, like the the vessel people and like the boat people and like do you know what this is they're like no no let me go let me ask my guy let me ask my guy nobody knows what it is uh and so i tweet it i post it on twitter because i'm like somebody help me i don't know what this is i ended up figuring it out myself so i found out that this is the stretch jaw blenny uh chasmodes longimaxilla uh it is a type of comb tooth blenny which uh as their name would suggest, uh, comb tooth blennies are noted for their comb-like teeth lining the inside of their jaw, which I was able to see once I took a look inside of its mouth. Um, these okay. fish uh, don't really have that much info about what they eat, and I was trying to figure that out for my own personal project reasons because I'm looking at functional feeding mm-hmm. groups, which is uh, yeah. categorizing organisms by how they feed instead of using taxonomy because as we've mentioned multiple times in this episode taxonomy (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) um yeah yeah, uh generally they are detritivores but they also can eat scales of other fishes algae small crustaceans uh and coral polyps one scientific article that i saw quote said these stomach lick stomachless fishes and i was like what they don't have stomachs how is this what? possible and i'm like going on this goose chase trying to figure out like why they don't have stomachs but i haven't been able to see any other place that talks about this so i take that with a 
large grain of salt <laughs> that right. that might have been something lost in translation maybe but yeah that's yeah uh, that's very strange yeah it, and it was like like i in a scientific i wouldn't way, put it past fish interesting yeah i wouldn't put it past fish to just get weird like that but right just not having a stomach is a little strange like does it, does it just yeah. go straight from like esophagus to intestines that doesn't seem I, very right successful so, for life uh listeners take that with a grain of salt do your own research see if you can <laughs> find anything and if you do let me know because i am at a loss here but uh interesting yeah everyone uh was super interested to find out what this was i guess no one's really ever seen uh this type of blenny around uh around lumcon where i work and uh some people were were pretty excited that that i had found that awesome no it's always cool when you have uh little fun mysteries at yes. work or especially in research so yeah. um cool yeah yeah interesting now i'm now i'm very curious i might have to do a little deep dive of my own on this little yes. guy <laughs> cool so that's all i have awesome. well thank you for that fia oh, thank you. oh yeah no, thank you for that fia and uh thank you listeners for for listening and uh we will be back next week potentially with a mike episode or potentially with shark week we'll see what's going on so i have been gavin that has been fia and this has been episode 84 of i wish you were dead a podcast about things that used to be alive and we will see you all next week this episode of i wish you were dead was written by gavin davidson and hosted by gavin davidson mike bryson and finella campanino it was sound edited and edited for youtube by gavin davidson special thanks to former guests of the pod and to listeners like you